as we continue uncharted. John 14, verse 16, you may go there. We'll pick up from last week. But this idea, Uncharted, the series is about our God for navigating life. And this God that we're speaking about is the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this word uncharted is not a biblical word, but it's a concept. It means not recorded on a map. Uh, it implies exploring the unknown. Whether it was in the early days of America's settlement, or let's say if you're a hunter and you're going to start hunting the sulfur river bottoms, well, how many know they've got maps uh, that are out there, but if you choose not to get a map, you're going to face, you know, whatever, 20,000 acres, and you're going to have to find your way into an unknown path. Well, how many know God knows the future even though we don't? We may think we know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. I doubt you. You probably have plans for Labor Day. Well, how many know there's no guarantees? We can't predict the future, but God knows the future. And Jesus himself said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth would guide us into all truth. And the premise of this message or this series is, is that God wants to direct me and guide me through the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, last week we talked about Uncharted, the Helper, where Jesus told us that the Helper or the Holy Spirit would convict us, which means when we do wrong, He would show us and nudge us and point us to the cross. Uh, he would not only convict us, He would guide us. He'd reveal things that are unknown to us and that He would, most importantly, be in us as the abiding presence of God. Now, let's, that's a, an amazing concept. Uh, John 14, verse 16, Jesus Christ said this, I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another helper, say this with me, to be with you. God with me, relationship forever. The world cannot receive Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You and I live in a world that cannot see the grandeur of God in a sunrise or a sunset, they take it for granted. What was once the miracle of birth is no longer a miracle because we have ultrasounds. Uh, I don't need the Hubble telescope to tell me there's a God. Come on, I don't need, I don't need the most powerful uh, electron microscope to prove God's existence. I don't need a truth theorem. I don't need someone to go back to the beginning of time with a, with a, a computer projection to prove that God exists to me. Uh, the world doesn't know him, but the scripture says, you know him. This is the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you, and he will be in you. And this is what we want to explore today, is that God the Holy Spirit, God's tangible presence on earth, can be known and experienced. And I'm not talking about something just for the select few. I'm not talking about something spooky or weird. But I'm talking about your heavenly Father, the God that we know and love and serve. They have sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. So let's explore it together. Uh, this morning's message, I want to do two things. I want to, number one, go to the Bible for a biblical foundation. We're going to look from Genesis to Revelation in just kind of an overview manner to see how God manifested His presence on earth. And then we're going to look at some very some scriptures that give us a very practical hints or ways about how I can be closer to God how I can sense the Lord's presence. Wouldn't it be a whole lot better if you're on the top of a house in the hurricane? Wouldn't it be a whole lot better to have the peace of God uh, rather than scared to death you're going to die? Now, now, I'm not saying you, know, you won't have uh, fearful circumstances, but how I many in the midst of fear, God can push the fear aside and give you a little secret place of the Most High? Sure, we all want that. 
Now, uh, let me begin first. Again, God has revealed His presence throughout biblical history or world history. And when I use the phrase, the presence of God, the definition is a very simple one. It is a location where God is present. Uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew language, the, pr- the word presence means the face of God. That doesn't mean that you see God face to face, but it implies closeness. It implies God revealing himself to his people. Uh, the God we know and serve is not the man upstairs just, just sitting on some great throne. But God the Holy Spirit is with his people. Uh, God is spirit, the Bible says. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, I've got to be honest with you. It's hard for me to understand what that means. What does it mean that God is spirit and my worship must be in spirit? It's very difficult for me to grasp. But it's, the re- it's in a realm outside the, that which I can feel and touch and see. It's a spiritual connectedness. But how many know if we're truly born again and our spirit has become alive, we should be able to hear the voice of the Lord? So this is what we're talking about. James chapter 4, verse 8, a great promise. The promise is a, says this, Come close to God and God will or draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That thought that God would come close to me. If I would take deliberate steps in my life, that God that created me and sustained me would somehow be close to me. He would be real to me. His presence, His power, and His gifts. And again, it's not spooky, weird, or normal. You don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor and you know uh, contort your fingers in some way and say, ah, oh, uh, <laughs> you don't experience God that way. Um, let me look at these three words that I want to give you about the presence of God. The first word is omnipresence. The second word is manifest presence. And the third word is inner presence. Let's look at this word omnipresence. Simply by definition, you won't find this word in the Bible, if you, but you'll find the concept in the Bible. To be omnipresent means that God is present in all places at all times. Now that's a big, big deal. How can God be as in the, our midst today, God the Holy Spirit in Texarkana, but yet he can be in a makeshift chapel in a convention center or wherever they may be in Houston in the midst of the flood. But the Bible says God has the capacity to do this. Two scriptures that illustrate this. John chapter 1, Jesus is choosing his original disciples. And he saw Nathanael approaching him. And Jesus said this, Here truly is an Israelite in whom is no deceit or no deception or guile. And Nathanael said, How do you know me? And listen to what Jesus said. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus was on the hill and he had binoculars. But it means Jesus was able to supernaturally see him even when he was, uh, while he was on the earth. Now, a scripture that's more pronounced than that. Well, then his response to that was, Rabbi, you're the son of God. Uh, other religious leaders who have walked the earth might have taught good things, but they did not, did not have this capacity of omnipresence. Psalm 139, verse 7, the psalmist said, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I want to get away from God, where can I go? If I'm Jonah and get on a ship, God's still going to be, meet me in the Mediterranean. And then he says this, If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Shoal, or the Greek Hades, the holding place of the dead, you're there. And it's a simply a way of saying there's nowhere you can go to escape God. God is omnipresent. That's a theological foundation that, that describes the, 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 the enormous nature 
unthinkable, uncomprehendable nature of our God. But this next one is where it gets quite personal. It's the word manifest presence. And by manifest presence, I mean God reveals himself and people are aware of it. When I was a boy, my little childhood picture of God is he was up in the clouds and he was on a throne. And I was not acquainted with the concept is that God wants to be real to people on this earth. Now let me just briefly go from Genesis to Revelation about how God did that. Of course, the first one, Adam and Eve, what the scriptures say? It was they walked with God in the cool of the day. In other words, evening time, they didn't go turn the television on, they didn't sit on the porch. God showed up. So the omnipresent God manifested himself. Uh, Moses encountered God in a burning bush. Remember the story, this bush caught on fire. Nobody was adding fuel to it. It just kept burning. And he heard this voice and say, this is holy ground, take off your shoes. It's what theologians call a theophany, where God appears. Later on, Moses said he knew God face to face, implying intimacy. The children of Israel, as they marched from Egypt to the promised land, there was a cloud and there was fire. A cloud would guide them by day and a fire by night. And somehow God's presence was manifested on this journey. Uh, Moses said this on the journey in Exodus 33. Uh, actually, God said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Now, if you were going to move to another city, wouldn't you want God's presence to go with you? If you were going to marry someone, wouldn't you want God's presence to be in your marriage? If you're going to start a business, people will often start a business and say, Pastor, will you dedicate my business to the Lord? Why are they doing that? Because they want God's presence to be a part of the business that they're doing today. So it's an invitation for God to be close. And uh, Moses even said this, said, if your presence is not going to go with me, don't bring me up from here. Now, if you remember the Jewish tabernacle, it was first the one in the wilderness. What happened, the Bible says, is uh, 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 at this tabernacle, Exodus 40, a cloud covers the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, this was not the only occasion this is recorded. When, they, when Solomon built his temple, the same thing happened. It's like today, as, if, as, as we're talking right now, imagine if a cloud just began to form, and it, and it was not the you know, little haze machine. Uh, it was not that it was the building was on fire. Uh, it was not fog from the outside because of change in atmospheric pressure or whatever it is. But, 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 but it was the presence of God, and he appeared in these, in these somewhat mystical ways. But when Jesus came to earth, Matthew 1, they called his name Emmanuel. You know what that means? God is with us. Jesus was the tangible presence of God. And then Jesus made an, uh, two amazing statements. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, how many believe the Bible's true? So, now, has, anybody, has anyone had someone come up to you today and say, Hi, my name's Jesus? No. But somehow, by His Spirit, His presence is in our midst. And I guarantee you, the atmosphere is different in this place right now than it is over at Shooter's Bar. I hadn't go in, gone in, but I used to go in before I got saved. It's a different environment. If it was still open, there could be someone passed out on the floor. It was a dirty, messy place. Could have been a fight. Probably, not, probably a lot of aspirins being passed out. It, it was a different environment. It was the presence. Jesus said, I'll be in your midst. Uh, Jesus also said this. 
Jesus said uh, in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if Jesus is with me, how do I experience this presence of the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus sent the Spirit. He said, it's better if I go to heaven because the Spirit can somehow be with all of us. Uh, The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says they're gathered in the room praying. There, There comes from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll explain that more next week. That'll probably be the beginning point next week for what about the Holy Spirit's role in, in the church and the power of the Spirit. But, 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 but he came there. And listen to 1 Corinthians six or 3, actually, verse 16. He's talking about the local church, a gathering of believers. He said, do you not know that you, plural, are God's temple? And what does it say? God's Spirit dwells in you. You, Corinthian church, you are God's temple, and God's Spirit is in your midst. And then he made it personal, 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You see, when you come to Christ, when you receive Christ as your Savior, and you pray that the Lord would forgive your sins, come in your life, and save you, literally, the Bible says you are spiritually born again, and in that new birth, somehow the Holy Spirit comes inside your life. I can't explain it. You cannot go over to the hospital and get a spiritectomy, but it may know it radically changes your life. God's presence changes you. And I know this from experience. I'll talk about it in a moment. But eternity, Revelation 21, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. What's it say? He will dwell with them, and they'll be his people, and God will be with them as their God. So from Genesis to Adam... From Moses, the children of Israel in the wilderness, their church, Jesus on this earth, the day of Pentecost, believing people everywhere in heaven, the presence of God, the manifest presence of God where God reveals himself to his people. Now, how many can say, I'd like to see some of that? Well, sure. Hopefully all of us would. Now, this third, it was the omnipresence, the manifest presence, and now this idea of the inner presence is where we're focusing. That is the spirit in us. You remember Jesus said in John 14, verse 17, Jesus said, You know him, for he, the Holy Spirit, dwells with you, and he will be in you. And This is what I want to explore in the last part of this message about how you and I can have a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit and how we can be aware when his presence is near. Because again, it's not spooky or weird, but we can miss it sometimes. Now, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question, how can we experience His presence in everyday life? But let me first ask the question, what would it look like when the presence of the Holy Spirit is near? What could you expect to happen? Well, here first and most importantly, salvation and conviction. And let me tell you how it worked in my own life. Uh, it was August 15th, 1976. Uh, I asked Christ to come into my life and something changed about me. Now, let me go back, if I could, when I was 19 years old, uh, I had been to college a year. Uh, during the summertime, I was too old to play organized ball. That used to kind of be my, my God, playing baseball, uh, and, and it was just consumed my life. But now I'm driving a tractor for my dad, plowing soybeans all day long. I'm up early in the morning, and I ride all day, and I could be some days where I wouldn't see a soul other than my grandfather bring me lunch. Now, you would think about this. Here, I was a young guy. Obviously, I was handsome. Um, <laughs> I had a new car. I always had beer in the back. Are you with me? Uh, I I always had a date or two. 
I mean, I was college scholarship, life was going well for me, but I'd get up in the morning and throughout the day I would weep. I'm just driving this tractor in second gear, crying. Now that is the dumbest thing. And I, do, I did the only thing I knew to do was light up another one. But it didn't help. Because the things that used to make me happy didn't make me happy anymore. But working behind the scenes was God. And he brought me to a place showing me that the world I was living in, what I was pursuing, if God's missing, I'll never be happy. Well, then, lo and behold, a friend of mine one night said, Hey, I'm going to join the military. You want to go with me? And I said, Shazam, I think I'm going to do this because if I don't go, I'll miss something in my life. And it was a prophetic statement where here I am running from my problems off whatever, and a Gideon gives me a Bible and tells me before I leave, if you'd read this and you'd put your trust in Christ, Jesus Christ could change your life. And five days later, what I found is I found that God was filling the void in my life. I was convicted from my sin. I invited Christ to save me. And then the sins that I used to love, I didn't want to do them anymore because they were affecting my relationship with God in a negative way. Now, that's real. Salvation, conviction. Here's another one. Have you ever had, maybe you had it today, a a sense of gratitude and awe and wonder? That's how good God is. And it just made you want to get on your knee or, 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 or slip your hand to heaven in worship? What is that? Could that be the presence of the Holy Spirit drawing you nearer to God? I think it is. I think it's more than just Pastor Nick and the worship leader, but God is drawing us into his worship. Have you ever found yourself in church, you just wanted to clap your hands and, and shout and, and maybe even dance before the Lord because how happy you were about where God's brought you from? Uh, years ago, when I first met Jason, years ago, he would sit right back there in the church for about three months, and the whole service, he'd just cry. And I'd go by and say, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> what was going on? God was in his life. It was the Holy Spirit. that was. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting? I, I like louder prayer meetings myself, where a bunch of people are gathered, and everybody's just praying, but all of a sudden, with no direction whatsoever, there's just everybody just becomes quiet and still. And it's not appropriate to speak anymore because everyone senses the presence of the Lord. See? Uh, have you ever been in, in a time when, when it, this happened to me several weeks ago, we had a little extra time at the end of worship, and in each of the three weekend services, I had what the Bible would call a prophecy or a, a word of encouragement for someone. And I'm sitting on my chair during worship, seeking the Lord, exercising a little faith. Lord, speak to me. And I came up and I said something along these lines. Um, uh, the Lord showed me a picture of an open door, and he wants to tell someone today uh, not to be afraid to go through the open door in your life because God's going to be with you. Well, I had someone come up to me last night and said, I was that person you were talking to. I was thinking about changing jobs, but I was a little uncertain. But when you said those words, it was like God was speaking to me, and I stepped through that door, and I'm thrilled in my new job today. So what is that? That's nothing about me, but that's the presence of the Holy Spirit, come on, moving in and through his people. See, how many know you can come to church and have the weight of the world on your shoulders and you can have someone pray for you or you could just kneel during worship and all of a sudden the anxiety and worry and fear that you walked into church with, somehow you left it at the altar. Now, what am I describing? I'm describing the manifest presence of God where the Holy Spirit comes to work in our midst and we may or may not realize that it's Him, but I want you to become acquainted with the ways that God speaks and God moves. Now, let me take the rest of the message and let me tell you some biblical uh, principles 
about how the Holy Spirit can be more real in your life. And again, next week we'll get into some of the weirdness that sometimes happens. But if we could agree for just a moment is that, is that God wants to speak to his people. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to be near us and going to be in us. And our challenge should be is how do I get closer to God and how do I become more aware of the reality of God's presence in my life? Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I don't want to wake up in the morning going, Oh, good God, it's morning again. Give me your coffee. Wouldn't it be better to wake up in the morning and, and however you get up, but at some point say, Thanks, Lord, that I'm alive another day. Wouldn't it be better to, when you put your feet on the ground, say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come and I want your will to be done in my life. See, what you're doing by that orientation, it's like a compass. Uh, whenever I go out in the woods, I have a compass with me because I've been lost several times. You put that compass in your hand and that needle's going to spin a little bit, but all of a sudden, it's going to show you which way is north. So when you're getting out of bed saying, Lord, I want you to have your way and guide me today, it's like you're orienting yourself to the presence of the Lord. See, this is what we can have in our life. Now, let me suggest four things to you. The first way is I'm going to call it the right mindset. It's a way of thinking up here that can either welcome what I'm saying or reject it. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would, what? Draw near to God must believe. Stop right there. Whoever would draw near must believe. If I'm going to be closer to God, there has to be the element of faith Believing the words of Jesus that he's going to lead me, guide me, and speak to me. I've got to believe, and then he goes on to say in that verse, that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. We must believe and expect the Holy Spirit's presence to be near us. That song, and I sang that song, I had that song, song um, particularly for older people that are used to singing hymns, because a lot of churches that I have been a part of, Methodists and Baptists, we didn't really talk much about the presence of God close to us each day. And that's not a slight against them in any way, but it, it's simply saying it was not a part of the fabric of our thinking, but that was one of our favorite songs to sing. Come on. And what we were saying was, we were saying something that disagreed with our theology. He walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. I'm suggesting it's possible, but if we don't believe it's possible, we kink the hose. Like if you're in the yard watering the flowers or, or washing the car and, and your little grandchild or your son comes up and kinks the hose and goes, hee, 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 hee. How many know you can kink the hose on God? If you, if you don't choose to believe that it's possible, again, several weeks ago when I shared that prophecy, I, didn't, I couldn't tell you 100% that it was the Lord, but it changed somebody's life and helped them make a better decision. It took a little bit of faith. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Let me give you another one. Uh, we, you and I, if we want to experience God's presence, we have got to set aside a time and a place to be with God. Now, certainly I'm talking about daily, but I'm talking about when problems are in our midst. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus goes to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples, and he chose 12, and he designated apostles. Now, what is it, why do I share this? Jesus had arguably the biggest decision in his whole life to make other than the cross. It was, who am I going to turn this gospel enterprise over to? Who am I, who's going to run the church when I've gone back to heaven? And who's going to be the one that betrays me? I, I wonder if in his prayer, he had to spend a lot of time praying about his relationship with Judas because he knew Judas would betray him. 
But the long and short of all of this was is that, is that he needed to take some special time to be with God so he knew what God wanted him to do. And this is so often missing in our life. So often people don't come to God until they have a crisis rather than developing relationship with God each day. And, and in my own life, I find the importance of, of being still. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Think about that. Be still and no, so now we're speaking something, whether it's on a subjective or an objective level, but something about the quietness when we turn off the TV, come on, when we turn off the radio and just get alone with God. Uh, this is the pattern of my life. Uh, last Thursday I was here, I was studying for this weekend's message, not quite sure which way I was supposed to go, so I got my computer and I came in the sanctuary to just pray and seek the Lord. And there was some music playing in the background, it was Christian music, but it was distracting me. I was trying to hear the Lord, and I got this melody going on in my head, and I asked somebody, I said, could you turn off that noise and just kind of turn the lights down low so I don't see everything that's going on all around, and let me just have a private moment with God. Can I tell you, friend, if you want to be close to the Lord and sense His presence, I suggest you set aside some time, come on, each day, and then whenever you need to do it. Well, when I was in the Navy many moons ago, I can remember... When I was working in, the, uh, I was working in the, the galley or the cafe making food, and I needed to have some God times during the day, so I found a little closet. It was a broom closet where they kept the mops and everything else, and whenever I felt like I just needed to just kind of get quiet and alone with God, I'd say, excuse me, and I'd take about three or four minutes, come on, go in the closet, and, uh, and just go and be with God. Punch your neighbor and say, he's preaching pretty good this morning. I don't know what you're thinking. Let me give you a third one. Uh, if I want to be able to be close to God and know His presence is real, uh, I've got to strive to live a holy life free from worldliness and sin. Now, let me tell you why I say this. Sin is like a mistress in a marriage. How I many know if you bring your girlfriend home, it's probably not going to go well? How many know if, uh, if you have a husband and a boyfriend and your husband um, and your boyfriend is a great gardener uh, it's not going to work well uh, if, you, if you have that boyfriend come over and be the gardener. Are you with me today? It's just something, some of you, I just finally got your attention this morning. I finally said something that's kind of speaking where you're living. I'm just telling you. If you don't want to go to the hospital and you don't want your wife to go to jail... Keep that other girl away. Just, just meddle in a moment there. But why do I give that example? Sin is like a mistress. Sin is the mistress in our relationship with God. Listen to what James 4, 8. Now that real cool promise, remember, come close to God and God will come close to you. But the very next verse says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts because here's the problem. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Uh, it doesn't stop there. Psalm 24 asks this question, verse 3, Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? This is just like maybe a picture of Moses going up to Mount Sinai where he got the Ten Commandments and God gave them to him. Big deal. Who's going to go up this hill? Who's going to stand in the holy place? The, the holy place in the temple? Well, the answer is, he who has clean hands and a, a pure heart. And it's not talking about, you know, you, you put on little Purell or whatever after church to get rid of church cooties. You're not talking about that kind of cleanness. 
He's talking about moral cleanness. He's talking about the way we think and live. Listen to what David said. You remember David uh, and his fall with Bathsheba? Uh, David and Bathsheba, he says this after it was exposed. Psalm 51, he says, Hide your face, God, from my sins. Please, Lord, don't look at my sins. Blot out my iniquities. I need a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. Because verse 11 was his great fear. If he didn't deal with his sin and get a right heart, he says, cast me not away from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Now, I don't know that the Holy Spirit would leave a Christian, but I can tell you the Bible teaches that you can grieve the Holy Spirit or you can quench him. It's like trying to cook a fire. I mean, know when you're cooking, if it flares up, you can put a little water on it and it'll, it'll, it'll keep the flame down. But how many know if you take a gallon of water and pour it on it, you're going to get rid of the fire? And that's what can happen. That's, the, that's like the mistress in our life. Here's something I can absolutely promise you. Every step you make towards God away from sin, the more you increase your odds of having a close relationship with God. Because sin is like a stronghold. You got quiet on me there. You look guilty. Come on. Uh, let's wrap up here. The fourth idea. Now, again, it, 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 this is not intended to be an ABCD formula, but rather some principles of a life of someone that would have a close relationship with God. The right mindset, a mindset of faith to believe that God will speak. Setting aside a time each day to be with God. Striving to live a holy life free from worldliness and sin. And here's my favorite. Praise and worship are doors into His presence. Listen to what Scripture says. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. What's it say? There you go. Come into his presence, how? With singing. Uh, it, it, there's a, it, and notice where it said a joyful noise. How, how many feel like you've not been gifted with the ability to sing very well? Let me see your hand here. Well, the Bible didn't call all of us to be great, you know, great singers. A joyful noise is just as good with God. Now, I speak out of a deep wound on this subject. But I used to fancy myself a tambourine player. The only problem, though, I threw off the worship team because I couldn't keep a beat. When I was wild and woolly, I, would ha I won't describe my wild life when I would even try to dance, but it would take more than just a Dr. Pepper. Are you with me today? Uh, but I would just play my little tambourine, and finally, we, our ceiling used to leak in the church and uh, the metal building. And then one day my tambourine disappeared, and it was kind of, they, they, nobody said anything for a long time, and it just kind of went away. Well, when we replaced the ceiling several years ago, guess what fell out of the roof? My tambourine. All I'm trying to do is make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Ah, it's funny. You know, I'm just kidding. But there's something about this. Psalm 95 said, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. But here's my favorite one as we'll wrap up. Psalm 22, verse 3. It says, you, God, are holy. What's it say? Enthroned on the... Say it again. Enthroned on the praises. Now, Japanese translation of this verse says, when you praise God, he brings a big chair and sits there. When you praise God, he brings a big chair and sits there. Have you ever been in a campground? And in your campground, you know, everybody's got their little grills and all this stuff going on. But, but it's like you've got this smoker and this smell is just, 
is just going around. And you got a fire here, a fire pit, and, 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 and you're making s'mores or you're doing hot dogs. And, and all of a sudden, people are just kind of drawn to it because they, it, the atmosphere that's there. You've got some music playing, and it, for some reason, it just becomes magnetic to, to, to what's going on. Is it, did you know that our worship and our praise to God can be just like that? When God hears, not because God's some egomaniac. I mean, no, God doesn't need our praise. But how many know just as when a child thanks their parents for something good they've done, gives them honor and recognition, how many know it's a good, healthy thing? Well, when we give our worship, come on, to a God who hadn't judged us, who hadn't treated us as our sins deserved, but sent Jesus and loves us, how many know in our worship and we tell him thank you, the Bible says he's just like pulls up a chair at that count sack and he just sits down. Well, how many know when the Lord is near, his presence is near? Now, I don't know about you, but I wasn't raised in what I'll call a worshiping church. We sang songs about God, uh, but we never sang songs to God. But our most favorite song out of that little Methodist hymnal, we taped it in the back of the little brown hymnal. It was How Great Thou Art. But you know How Great Thou Art is a song to God. And for whatever reason, it didn't impact me as a kid, but I can tell you this, as I have grown as a Christian, I can't wait to get into worship. I remember the first time I lifted my hands. I just felt so self-conscious the first time I kneeled before God. I felt like, well, what are people going to say? And finally, I got to a place where I'm not coming to worship for people to see me. I'm coming to worship God. Now, I mean, we don't want to be a distraction and draw attention to ourselves, But at the same time, that's why I shut my eyes often when I'm worshiping. Is I just want to shut everybody else out. And I just want to say, Jesus, I love you. And I just want to think about and just say, God, can I just say thank you that I've got friends right now that can't even have church service in Houston and Beaumont. They can't even get into their building because they're flooded. But here we've got air conditioners. We've got, you know, we've, we've, we've got hot drinks. I took a shower this morning. I got clothes to put on. I'm not waiting for somebody to give me some brand new underwear and socks because I've been on my house three days. Come on. You're a good, good father. And that's what worship does. And as worship goes up, his presence comes down. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? We're going we're gonna to continue this next week. And uh, we'll probably look at the, the role of the Holy Spirit in the early church. I sure am honored that you're here this morning. On your way out, if you're not involved in a small group or outreach groups, I think it's like 80 total outreach, and you can find something for you, but those tables right out front, you might just stop by and, and, and kind of see what's available. But uh, I, I just want to encourage you this week, though, too. Remember the hurricane victims, whether it's something you give and designate money, but, but get one of those buckets. Your kids are going to come down from upstairs. Follow through on that. Go to the store with them and let it touch both of you. But right now, before we go to lunch or anything, could we just take a minute and just respond to what we've heard today? And, and I'd like for us to maybe sing that little old hymn again when I come to the garden alone. And I want you to just hopefully sing it with a renewed anticipation that the one who makes the flowers grow in the garden is the one who wants to visit me, me when I go. Let's sing it again. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the sound of.
inside you, you just feel like you need to touch somebody, you need to talk to somebody, you need to pray with somebody, now would be a perfect time. It, it might be a need that you have or someone that you love and care about in their life, or we'll pray about anything. But it may be that what you've heard today has stirred something in you, and you want to kind of seal the deal before you go in prayer. I was just watching TV the other day, was actually I was brushing my teeth and getting ready to the bathroom, and this little show was playing on the TV, and they were selling this barbecue grill. And every time I would go in there, they put little wood pellets in the side of it, and, and I'd see, you know, ribs falling off the bone and steak, and they were cooking pizza and everything, and it just, I couldn't, I didn't buy one, but I was looking for the 800 number, you know, to see how much it was. Well, how many know, sometimes it's not enough just to see the advertisement. You need to call the number and say, I want one. And, and, and maybe in prayer today, you want somebody to pray with you. Maybe you've had a bad experience, you know, with this subject we're talking about today. Maybe it's just hard for you. Uh, we'd be honored to pray with you. But, but the most important thing we'd, we'd like to pray with as we close today is your own personal relationship with God. See, here's the thing I know. You, you can't have a relationship with God if you don't start one.
know, if, a, if you got to church, if a cab dropped you off at church today, you're not going to get home until you get in that cab. Well, there's a, there's a getting on place in your relationship with Christ. I, I, my mom made me go to church, and I'm happy for it, but going to church won't get you to heaven. Going to church may educate you, it may stir spiritual feelings and thoughts, but it, it can't get you to heaven. What, 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 what opens the door for relationship with God is when you humbly come, like I did in a Navy boot camp. I even had a pillow over my head. I was crying. I sensed the Lord's presence. I asked God to forgive me for my sins and give me a brand new start in life. I told Jesus that day, in whatever words I used, basically I said, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you all my days. And that was a turning point in my life when I didn't just know Christian things, but I became a Christian. And maybe you're here today and you feel like I'm talking right to you. Friend, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you and trying to draw you into relationship with God. We'd be honored to pray with you this morning. We will not embarrass you, but I want to encourage you. If you'll just, when we begin to sing, if you'll step out of your chair, someone will meet you over here at the cross and they'll pray with you as you commit your life to Christ. Listen, we'll give you something that's going to help you on the journey. If you're here today and you've gotten away from God and you want to come back today and start fresh, we'll meet you at the cross too. So whatever it is, we're going to start singing. Our prayer team is going to come in the front. They're here for you. They'll pray about anything as long as you need. But most importantly, if you need to start a relationship with Christ, we'll see you at the cross. I love you and thanks for being here.